What is up, everyone? Welcome to Bangers and Mosh, the podcast for heavy music. We're your host, Jimmy, Daz, and De- Def? <laughs> Defa? <laughs> where's Daz? Where's Defa? <laughs> Def is MIA. <laughs> he, is, he is MIA. Uh, yeah, it's just me and Daz today. Unfortunately, um, timing wise, Defa is uh, stuck at work. He fl- does he fly airplanes or something? Something like that. Something like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's all a bit Bruce Dickinson, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, me and uh, me and Daz uh, fly in, fly in as a as a pair this evening. But um, we are bringing you the next episode in our Metal Brick Road series, uh, and we just had a killer chat with um, Mr. Jamie Graham, who is the vocalist of Viscera, uh, formerly Silosis and Heart of a Coward, and is the CEO of Unique Leader, one of the fucking hell, one of the hottest metal labels just anywhere right now, aren't they? Like intergalactic. <laughs> yeah, man, they are. They are. Um, absolutely killer roster of bands they've got going there. Um, we had a killer chat about Viscera, um, sort of Obsidian, the album that dropped last year, and uh, sort of plans for for the new record and, and touring that. Um, we got into um, Jamie's sort of how he got into working in the music industry and how he sort of worked his way up to, to the level he's at now. Um, and then we got into a little bit, you know, Jamie's story is how he got into metal, how he got into music, um, how he began singing and things like that. Um, yeah, it was an absolutely, absolutely killer chat. Um, fully enjoyed that. Daz, didn't you? Yeah, I, I did enjoy that. I think, um, I think what a great thing to take away from that um is that like if you just focus on doing what you love like you can get to the top and yes. live like a fucking great life do you know what i mean so i think as i just said to you off air jim like you know i think if you're not too happy where you are currently in life with whatever sort of aspect it is you know once you've listened to this mate like go out there and fucking do do something that you like mate take a chance yeah that's it and get yourself out there fellas and ladies because i think ultimately your passion for that one thing will will shine through and it will take you where you want to go yeah man definitely yeah so yeah man that's a that's a great place uh to to introduce this so yeah um jamie graham metal brick road Mr. Jamie Graham, welcome to Bangers and Mosh this evening, man. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Absolute pleasure. So um, let's just crack straight into this, mate. Like, So Viscera, um, obviously Obsidian, uh, dropped last year, March. How has the reaction to the album been? I know it's been a crazy time to have released a record, but (laughs) what's the sort of overall reaction been to the record? Well, obviously, when we... uh... When we scheduled it from for March, we obviously didn't know what was the shitstorm that was about to come. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, the response has been really good, um, especially considering sort of how quickly we put the album together. Um, in hindsight, I think we wanted to have spent a bit longer and paid more attention to maybe making it a bit longer and more attention to the mix and all that. But we just wanted to get some music out there with a view to kind of tour it as much as possible. And then obviously COVID happened. So we got a week, just over a week into the tour with uh, Decapitated, Ingested, Lorna Shore and Beyond Creation, which was amazing. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. But obviously it was cut far too short. So right now uh, 
you know, we figured sort of the best thing to do would be just to finish the uh, cycle off with the tour we've got coming up with Black Dahlia Murder, yes. where we can play as much stuff as we can from from that album and basically play the set that we wanted to play when we were on the Decapitated tour, but we'll probably add an extra song. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the next album's already half written, so it's a bit more than half written. We've got about, I'd say we've got four finished songs arrangement-wise and then a ton of riffs just sort of scattering around getting put together. So the plans to definitely put an album out for, uh, I'd say probably spring next year would be the likely time. Oh, wicked. Um, so you sort of said that, um, you know, you wanted to maybe spend a bit more time on the writing and things like that. Was there, cause we're listening to the album. There's like hints of death metal in there. There's death core. There's bits of gent. There's bits of metal core. It's like, was there a plan as to how you guys wanted to sound when you all got together or did, as you were writing, did it just sort of evolve, evolve that way? I think it's more a case of uh, it's that debut album thing where it can go either way. You've either got a band that's got quite a cohesive sound that they've put together for a while and toured, you know, maybe played a bunch of shows and they've done some demos and an EP or so or whatever. And by that point, their sound's pretty much set in stone. But I think with Obsidian, we we wanted to try a few different things just to see what what one, what worked for us live um and to what worked as far as the reaction it got back um and that's not to say we made a record you know for for other people we definitely made it for ourselves in terms of like we were proud of it but there's some stuff we've learned off the back of that record that i think we want to apply on the next one especially live like there's a lot of really technical super fast parts that sound great on record but then when we play them live to make them sound as good as that there's a lot of energy taken out of the performance side like we can't move around anywhere near as much and a lot more onus falls on me to keep the energy up, but because it's a fast technical riffy part, people don't really sort of want to get moving to that. They yeah, kind man. of stand and watch it, and which is great. But I think the, the thing from the get go with uh, what we wanted to achieve live at least was to have a really high energy live show that was sort of mixed with a bunch of sort of technical stuff thrown in, but not to the point where it just becomes wank fest so yeah you're really the at the mercy record. of like the sound the sound of the venue you're playing in as well aren't you because those fast Definitely. parts can just get i've seen like bad, like death metal bands say playing a support supports a lot of brixton and it's just fucking noise for 25 minutes and it's really hard yeah. to pick out riffs and nuances i think it definitely that. depends on who's mixing you as well you know and and how how good your drummer is too i think that whole sort of a, a metal band's only as good as their drummer thing it's one of the truest things I've ever heard because yeah, yeah. A, a good drummer will just deal with a shit mix because they're dealing with their own headphone mix usually anyway or monitors or whatever. Um, and often they'll be playing to a click track. So if they're keeping everything in place, even if it sounds crap out front, if the band's playing tight, then yeah, you can't really blame it on the venue anymore, man. That's like, sort <laughs> of, I don't know. I, I think it's like, if you're going to play it live and you're going to write stuff, you have to be able to play it live. Like, having a backing track yeah. is one thing that's necessary if you want to create like soundscapes that are on the record that you can't obviously unless you've got a keyboardist or whatever but when it comes to replicating the stuff on record like I'm, I'm definitely in that school of like if we can't play it live then it doesn't go on the record so yeah agreed man yeah so there's definitely some songs that we want to put into the live set but it's just a question of um how much time we've got to play as well because at the moment we're probably not going to have more than 40 minutes on stage whenever we're playing until we get to the point where we're headlining ourselves so we're just trying to build that set to keep it high energy and lots of movement so 
we'll just see where it goes, man. Yeah, sweet. Um, so your um vocal style, Jamie, on the on the record, you've 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 got a very unique, a very unique sounding voice. Like um going back to sort of silosis and heart of a coward, that you've always had that um extremely anthemic. Um, melodic side to your to your vocals as well was it important that you kept that in despite the music being much more brutal than than those two bands um to be honest man like I just kind of without sounding like some some prick I just kind of do what I do and don't really think oh this is going to be a singing part or this is you know I just give the songs a really good listen before I commit anything in 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 my head to oh, this is going to be like this yeah um most of the time I, I sort of gravitate towards the screaming and stuff, but I, I tend not to go for tons of lows um, or tons of highs all at once. They tend to be peppered in a it's song. I tend to rely on that mid range um, just because I think it's the most pronounced and clear and easy to, I like to try and get the lyrics across so you can actually hear what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 When it comes to gut rules and stuff and tunnel throat and all that kind of thing, um, it's a wicked style to do, but you do get a lot of diction lost in it, um, especially in the mm. tunnel throat stuff, because just because of the shapes you have to make with your mouth and where you have to place your tongue to get the tone and all that. So we're experimenting with some stuff on the new record. Like there's some heavy bits that are just way heavier than anything we've ever done. Oh, and I've sick. started using some other vocal styles that I've done on some guests for other bands. Like I did a guest for Bound in Fear recently and Ben was just like, why don't you just throw in some lows? Like, get down to where I'm getting. And I was like, <laughs> like ben, cause Ben's lows are just ridiculous. Oh, so mate, yeah. 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 It sounds like a bear getting raped. So <laughs> I sort of just sat there trying to, uh, you know, when you sort of pitch your vocals and you're like, okay, I'm going to try and hit the same pitch he's going for. And um, I don't know if it was just sort of like luck of the take or whatever, but I just sort of just went for it and went for some big lows and it actually came out really, really good. Um, in terms of like, we were just happy with it straight away. So we're like, fuck it, let's just keep that. We'll put a few more in. And the more I listened back, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do more of this in the new shit because this sounds fucking well heavy. <laughs> um, and to be honest, like with, with Silosis and with Heart of a Coward, um, those kind of vocals just weren't really necessary in that style of music, yeah, really. Especially yeah. with Silosis, like uh, Josh's writing style at that time was definitely a lot more rooted in thrash. Um, before we got sort of more into like the Gajira, Neurosis, Cult of Luna, all that stuff. But he was always a massive fan of like Pantera, um, Death and Cannibal Corpse. But everything else that kind of came into Solosis was more lead guitar driven and thrash driven. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, just the, the meter of drum beat we usually went for was that one three thrash beat. And there were loads of riffs you could have put a blast beat in there. And that album could have very easily become a death metal album but that wasn't the direction he wanted to take it in and to be honest I didn't either like I don't think anyone did um it just wasn't seen as a uh, a musical sort of playing field to throw death metal vocals in like there was maybe two or three lows on the whole record um Heart of a Cow was different because the whole sonic range of of the instrumental side was a lot lower yeah 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 so it kind of called for that clout a bit more but again it was in my opinion, like Heart of a Cow, are a metalcore band playing in kind of after the burial kind of tuning, and that's what made it work. So, again, it didn't really need the deathcore vocal approach. I was the heaviest kind of style I went for was that sort of Vince Acacia strain low, where it's not really a low, it's, it's a mid range, but you're just mm. hitting kind of it's a false chord, but you're pushing it kind of 
not to the very bottom. You're just kind of going at the range you'd go if you were shouting, really. But you just hold back a little bit on the power, and it comes out as that bark that yeah. it does. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a big influence at the time. But in terms of getting into vocals at the very beginning, uh, it was like Pantera, Sepultura, Deftones for the singing stuff. Oh, uh, sick. Killswitch Engage's debut was a big one for me as well because I kind of learned to, just from singing along to that album, there was a lot of transitioning from singing to screaming and they're quite mm -hmm. difficult parts. Like if you, a few of them are actually very difficult um, to get that sort of emotive delivery that he does. Like you can hit the notes fairly easily, but to get that power that he puts behind it, you can't really do the metal call like... Nee, 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 like just no, sort of I was going to say, your really cleans have that same... Uh, impact that Jesse's do. It's it's uh, that's, an, that's quite the compliment, mate. There's an emotional just... heft behind them rather than like you're saying, just oh baby, like that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's really <laughs> some of it's really weedy, isn't it? Really flimsy, yeah. but yeah, you've got that heft behind your your cleans as well, which I think makes them stand out so much. Well, I think actually the earliest influence for that, and you probably laugh, but I think everyone, whether it's a guilty pleasure or a band that they're like, do you know what, fuck off, they're wicked. Uh, Linkin Park, mate, Chester Bennington, I was oh. about, I think I was about 14 when Hybrid Theory came out, 15 or something, and I was already into uh, quite a lot of quite heavy stuff, like, I, you know, Vulgar Display of Power had already been out for a bit, and Rage Against the Machine was big, and like One Minute Silence were just starting to get big because they were supporting everyone that oh, was basically playing Brixton yeah, yeah. Academy, so I was yeah. going to all those shows, but I saw Linkin Park on the Hybrid Theory tour, and Chester, I think, was the first person to coin it, he called it Scringing. So it was like halfway between screaming yeah, yeah. and singing, obviously. And I just loved the way he used to hit those high notes, but he'd almost be screaming them and it not quite, you know, you do that pitch scream. Um, Phil Anselmo did it a lot with Pantera as well, but he just, I think that was just more natural grit in his voice and it just came out as a scream when he went for the high end notes. So in that sense, I'm the same, like my singing range clean is actually not as high anywhere near as high as uh i'm trying to think like someone like uh dan from tesseract or the dude from Vale of Meyer or like yeah yeah that sort yeah. of alto tenor kind of range i'm more i prefer singing along to stuff like typo negative man honestly I'm so, <laughs> it's, way more, it's much easier but it, you can't really sort of be doing uh visceral risk with like uh you know, Pete, Pete talking down here with his... <laughs> Although I would <laughs> love to hear that, mate. Like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe drop a few in there, but... Yeah, I mean, it sort of... Uh, it was it was a diet of, of death metal and new metal coming up as a teenager and getting into the heavy stuff because I had a few older friends that were into metal who were like, no, you need to stop listening to Korn and Deftones and <laughs> listen to this instead. So I got what I think was the best of both worlds. Uh, Slipknot was another one, like the debut album, just trying to scream along to Corey's mid-range scream where he's got that open, he, yeah. he sort of curls his tongue up. So it's like, a, ah, you know, it, it kind of comes out like a, he's ripping paper is the way yeah. I was thinking. It's like that. Yeah. yeah. You hear the air coming out. So instead of like, ah, like pushing it, he'd sort of ah, open it up with his throat. And then it just sounds yeah, really pained. Yeah, it, it sounds pained, you know? man. Yeah. So I was trying to, match that tone without blowing my voice out so i think between that album pantera vulgar display of power and the first kill switch album and linkin park those four albums um hybrid theory the linkin park one 
I would just have them on all the time when I was learning to drive and when I was going to the gym and on my way to, you know, sixth form and all that. So that's just how it started, really. And then I didn't take it seriously until my early 20s when I was actually sort of, you know, just, okay, this band thing's pretty cool and let's see how far we can go with it. And then Josh asked me to join Solosis and that's where it started to, you know, doing it properly. Jesus, um, you must have got pretty good pretty quick then because like the the talent level in Silosis is fucking sky high man there's some like is, serious yeah. musicians Amazing in that band musicians, so yeah. for you for um, you to have got that good that he noticed that must have been well we uh Josh and I actually we knew each other before because when I started out in the industry basically my first job ever in the industry was for a label called One Little Indian Records and they did like a York and Skunk and Nancy mm. and Rocket from the Crypt and it was like a really cool kind of eclectic indie label but I cut my teeth there as a product manager and Derek who's this awesome punk guy was asking me to look for a metal band and Silosis had these demos and this is when Ben was singing for them from Octoberfile. Yeah yeah. Um, so I was in touch with Josh then but obviously I think he was holding out for a you know for a metal blade or an earache or a nuclear blast at the time but they were on my radar back in like 2005 I think it was um and then I was playing guitar in a band called Raise the Dead which was based like a carcass tribute band with like breakdown <laughs> um I think that's we the were... band that that Dan Dan from Carcass was telling us that he played a couple of shows with with that band <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, oh, yeah, Dan wicked. Was awesome. yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we had Dan on not too long ago. Yeah, and he was telling us about a band he was in with you, um, when he was younger. So that, oh, that, yeah, it ties in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, um, he basically, right when he was doing, uh, well, he, he wasn't in a band with me. I basically, when I first started managing bands, uh, I was working at the Noise Cartel and we were doing Berry Tomorrow. Oh, sick. Uh, and we took on a band called The Soulless, which was basically ignominious incarceration. But they yes, I remember them, man. You remember that, right? So yeah, yeah. Dan was the drummer for uh, for The Soulless, mm. and then oh, he got okay. um, he he basically left The Soulless to go on to much bigger and better things and do the carcass stuff and all that. So yeah. But, but before that, Dan had a band called Misery on uh, Thirty Days of Night. If you remember that label, oh, I loved that label when that was. So big. they were like the first sort of UK black metal band that was on the myspace scene and played actual blast beats without breakdowns and everyone actually liked it sort of thing so it was a little bit um a bit of a sort of green hat with an orange bubble you know what i mean but <laughs> but that label would sit like jamie jamie farrell who who ran that label he had a really good ear like he he discovered bringing the horizon and yep. uh, there was a band called the seventh cross i don't know if you remember them but... oh, i i've got their album i fucking oh, love just... that record man i don't know what the fuck happened to that band i was thinking they, about them they the just all grew up and got jobs but simon from seventh cross plays in winterfill now and he's been he's been okay. drumming professionally for oh, years but cool ricky the guy who used to write all the guitar for seventh cross he's like a big baller now in birmingham so <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, that whole movement sort of between 2003 and 2006 was sort of that, that MySpace driven, the first wave of MySpace and like Bring Me had just done um, their first EP on but 30 this is, what the edge of, this is what your seatbelt was saying. This is what the edge of your seat is for, I think it was yeah. called. Uh, yeah. It had a song on it called Tell Slater Not To Wash His Dick and it was like, they were really... <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking really terrible singing. name man, that. <laughs> but you know what, even then, like, as well 30 days a night they did yeah yeah uh, um nightmares oh no wait no architects was 
in at the deep end. That's it. Yeah, my bad. I'm confused. Is in at the deep end, or unless one of those two labels, it was definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was in it the deep end and 30 Days of Night were sort of the two little indie labels and like Visible Noise were the, the UK label putting out like Lost Profits and Kilkust and... Yeah, man. Like, what, what a time to be alive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> there was a lot of shit, but there was also a lot of really good shows and really good festivals and stuff. And then I think the most underrated band from that era was Vacant Stare, if you ever remember them. They, were oh, um, what was the, they had one big song, didn't they? Oh, come Straight uh, come Up or something. Up. Companies yes. up, yeah. That's it, man. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. this sort of new metal-y, like, rappy one. But they did this yeah. album afterwards called Vindication, and it was way ahead of its time because it was basically the kind of metal chord that... Um, I'm trying to think of a band that sounds... Like, the sort of thing that... Uh, it's almost kill switchy, but, like, it's, like, 80% singing, put it that way. Oh, right, it was, it was really Sick. heavy, but it was really singing. And the Andy Sneak is- mixed it, so the mix was... Insane. No one gave a fuck about UK bands in that time, did they? Everything was like it really didn't. It was all everything yeah. had to be from America to be cool, and it was pretty sad, really, that yeah. a lot of those bands sort of disappeared. Well, there were some great, there were some great regulars on the support circuit, like One Minute Silence supported yeah. everyone when they had their time, but that yeah. kind of died out quite quick. I remember I seeing them on. Um, I think they supported Slipknot. They were on the in the Brighton yeah. date. One Minute Silence. Yeah, man, they they supported most of the. The sort of when I went to like so I went to Brixton Academy a lot for shows and I always mm. remember one minute silence just always bloody supporting everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it did change very quickly, and uh, the whole sort of thing on Silosis came about from the Raise the Dead thing. I did some backing vocals and stuff like that, um, and I just got a taste for the vocal side. And I think that was it. We um, Silosis were playing Boston Music Rooms downstairs room in london and adam from viatrophy was filling in on vocals he was a bit of a tank um <laughs> yeah i remember that like baseball cap and yeah mm. so he was filling in for silosis and i think the thing that got me uh, uh for josh to ask me to join was i was getting well into uh the song i think it was oath of silence uh and there was a bit in there where i just basically like was singing out and adam put the mic out and i just grabbed the mic out and stuff and i sung one line oh and josh looked down at me and sort of went like hello <laughs> kind of thing. and then afterwards he was like see he's like you see that line he's like well, did you just sort of hammer that out it's like you know would you would you be up for like coming and playing a few shows or whatever and then it just went from there um oh, that's I went down to Reading, ended up sort of jamming and hanging out and stuff and made an out al- well we did an ep first and then we did the album um and then josh got really into Neurosis and Gojira um, and basically had the vision to sort of make the band like a four piece power piece sort of thing. Mm. And he was also getting very good at vocals himself. Like he was doing demos for um, what's the second album called again? Edge of the Earth. Yeah. He was yeah, doing yeah. Demos for that. And there were actually parts he'd written uh, for me that he wanted me to do and stuff. And me being like a young egotistical prick, I was just like, <laughs> well, what the fuck are you writing my parts for? And you you know, I was a fucking bellend in that band. I'm not surprised what picked out, but um, <laughs> yeah, you grow up a bit, don't you? But in the yeah, meantime, live and learn, he's, he's really carved his own legacy now, which is sick. And yeah. I like to think we all have in our own way. Like, oh, don't you, mate, absolutely. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, completely. Um, so we'll go, just moving on uh, to, you, you said you started off at One Little India. So I, I was doing yeah. a little bit of a, uh, 
little bit of research and um, I was just looking through your employment history over on LinkedIn. Like yeah. it, it, it pops up. Was your goal always to get to the level you are, you're at now? Or was it more yeah. a case of like, it, it fuck, was. there's a job there. I'll go for that. And it's like, kind of. At, at 18, it was the latter. At 18, it was like, I just want to work in the music industry. I'll literally take any job that I see. And I used to buy NME. And there was an ad in the back for a product manager at One Little Indian for 10 grand a year. <laughs> it was 10 grand we a year. We all started off there, man, yeah. Yeah, but luckily, this was the thing. I, I grew up in Wandsworth in southwest London, yeah? Uh, so just up the road um, was the One Little Indian office. So it was oh, almost cool. like, fuck, this is, I have to apply for this because I can literally walk to work, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and my rent was fuck all. So I thought, you know what, even at 10 grand a year, like it's a way in and I get to meet Bjork and skin from skunk and nancy and john from rocket from the crypt and like Sick, some amazing people um and that was literally just getting thrown straight in at the deep end because before then I'd, I'd studied at sae i did uh, sound engineering i wanted to work in a recording studio and basically oh, cool. make records um so i was trained with all of the the signal flow and how to mix and how to record and all that but i, had, I didn't know the first fucking thing about the music biz or how it works so you know the salary fit the skill set shall we say <laughs> um, and i was there for a couple of years and they, they really taught me a lot man we were working with what was then called pinnacle distribution which a guy called nick roden was running who then went on to start ada which is now the subdivision for indie labels for warner so the guy who was running it back then he already was a bit of a maestro um oh, and a lot wow. of that workflow was coming through to one little Indian and they obviously already had a lot of success off the back of the Bjork stuff and they'd sub-licensed a bunch of titles to Universal off the back of it and then she got signed out right to Universal and there was a massive buyout for Skunk and Nancy from Virgin Records yeah that was I remember that all over yeah. Music Week it was like, I think it was like 12 million pound buyout for their catalogue or something yeah that was mad. Something insane so that label became a big label very quickly um which basically allowed them to bring in a lot more. They brought in like an international product manager and uh, two, two more accountants and two more, you know, look, I can't divulge too much, but basically they, they bolstered their staff by like 10 people. And as a result of that, because I was at the very bottom, I was just soaked in this massive hustle culture. And it was so many different types of releases that... Um, you know, I found out quite quickly about like the stuff that I was interested in, the stuff I wasn't interested in. And as far as the stuff you have to know, um, that's really served me well to now, you know, like I've got shown how to do the product management side first, which is usually if you're starting a label as a vision or whatever, your, your first thing will be your A&R skills, like how you can spot a band and then develop them and then take that, that product you know, to take that sort of that image and the music and make it a product and then take the product to market, which is the, where the product management kicks in. Yeah. So I learned about how, how the retail system works and publishing and stuff like that quite early and the importance of registering works and metadata and all the boring shit that's pretty soul destroying. But that gave me the tools to then be like, okay, well, once I've got a little bit of cash, I'm just going to find a band and sign them and just put a record out, just one record, and just see what happens. Um, so 
after one little Indian, I went to work at Terrorizer magazine. I don't know if you remember that magazine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that magazine. Sadly, they closed a few years ago, but for a while they were sort of you'd get Metal Hammer, Kerrang and Terrorizer, and between that, Metal Hammer would be the sort of the metal mag where you'd see Kill Switch and Slipknot and whatever. Yeah. And then some heavy stuff and some obscure stuff. Kerrang would be same kind of thing, but weekly. And then Terrorize would be the sort of the highbrow edition or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I got privy to tons of bands and got exposed to the whole, like, you know, everything from the Norwegian black metal scene to like Eastern European weird kind of Waldruna, Nagura Bungie <laughs> yeah, type yeah. stuff. And, you know, Italian death metal, which, you know, like Flesh God Apocalypse and Hour of Penance and stuff like that. And obviously the Unique Leader catalog then came onto the radar. So stuff like oh, Deeds cool. of Flesh, um, the early stuff like Decrepit Birth, The Scourge, all that stuff. So I got thrown right into the death metal meat wagon and I was like, this is this is my shit. Like, this is my favourite kind of stuff. So decided I didn't really want to work for a magazine anymore because I was getting a little bit kind of restless. Like, okay, this is sick, but I kind of want to just start putting records out now rather than... You've got that buzz, out. yeah. You've got that, yeah, like, yeah. itch. Yeah, yeah. That was it, yeah. So... It's, it's what got me fired as well. As I don't think <laughs> I like I, I was just too, I, I was losing kind of the interest in, in the hustle to try and sell advertising for the mag. And I was just like, oh, this band's sick, this band's sick. And having more conversations with the editor about how good bands were. And I was hearing, I'm not hearing any fucking phone calls, any pictures. Like, oh. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we found this band called... Um, well, I started uh, Siege of the Media Records with a guy called Darren Toms, who's now at Spine Farm. He's like head of oh, marketing. Oh, shit, I remember but... that. I remember that label. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was the first label we did. We did oh, that wow. for seven years. Um, the first uh, the first release was a band called Discreet, uh, which was like D-E-I-S-K-R-R-E-T. Um, and Malcolm, who's now in, in Ferry, uh, yeah. and Demon King and a bunch of other stuff and he runs Artisan Era he played guitar in Discreet so this was back in 2006 um, and then that year we signed Knights of the Abyss Whitechapel Impending Doom Rose Funeral and Annotations of an Autopsy and Ingested fucking so, hell that's some pretty big names went, in the first year that was all in the first year yeah and it, it sort of got a bit of interest from Century Media after about five years and then we did an acquisition thing with them where we just sort of you know, became a sub-label of theirs. Shit, but then man. they got acquired by Sony a few years ago. So that deal was sort of not dissolved, but like it didn't really make sense to do it anymore. Um, and from there, I went to work for Sumerian and I was doing international product management. So I was just doing essentially what I did at One Little Indian with a bit more A&R, but for the markets outside of America, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I got a bit restless again and I was like, oh, I miss doing the label <laughs> and I miss signing bands and kind of being the one that's like, okay, this is what we're doing. So um, Eric and I were talking for years anyway. Um, and then it got more involved when I was managing um, Discarnate. And obviously we had ingested on Siege of a Middle already and they wanted to sign to Unique Leader because Eric fucking loved the band. Yeah. So we we sorted a deal with Eric um, and then Discarnate signed to Unique Leader with Eric as well. So by that point, we were talking a lot and he was just like, you know what, man, like you should just come over and, you know, work for Unique Leader. Um, 
and I gave it some thought and then I spoke to Ash at Sumerian about it and he just he basically was really fucking cool about it to be honest I thought he was going to flip his wig but <laughs> he, he just sort of said straight up he's like man that's like that's where you kind of belong like that's the music you're really into you're always fucking bringing me deathcore bands and I like don't really want to sign any more deathcore bands for a while which you know was the right move for them to make as well because that yeah. label's quite huge but yeah man um, the stars sort of aligned really I guess and then I was head of A&R for Unique Leader for about a year. Um, and then Eric got really sick and he started delegating more and more to me, the, the more incapacitated he, he became. Um, and it wasn't until he was sort of really, really at his worst. He, he basically handed me sort of the reins and I just took it from there, not expecting him to pass. You know, we thought he was just not going to be back at work for a while. Yeah. And obviously he, he passed away. So that was one it was like a you know obviously a huge blow to everybody at the, at the label um because our, our president at the company uh, like my number two as it were um he was eric's best mate you know like in the world so it hit him yeah. fucking hard and yeah. uh obviously everyone else who was working for label like he, eric was very involved with everybody and like very approachable so it was definitely a steep learning curve in terms of he obviously did things a certain way and there was a lot of stuff I couldn't even access because obviously there was no way of asking him how to access it. So we had to build like a lot of the back end again. Um, a lot of the old contracts with a lot of the old bands had expired and stuff like that. And we didn't really have any close relationships already with those bands, you know, because they were all friends with Eric. So some decided to stay, which was sick. Um, others went to other labels, which was totally understandable um so i just thought well, fuck it i'm just going to sign like five to six bands a year for the next three years and just rebuild the roster a little bit and just take it where we can and then obviously we're here i mean like you've carried on his legacy like beautifully because it's got to the point now where if you're on let like obviously we're on we're quite active on Twitter, like looking for new bands and re and things like that, that we can bring on our sort of on our roundup shows and stuff. And, and it's almost like every time something drops on unique leader, you want to hear it. You've become one of those labels now that if something's coming out, people are automatically like, well, you know, that's going to be quality. You know, that's going to be good. Let's make sure we check that out. So it's, Which it's is. really cool that you've, you've got that respect, I think amongst uh, the metal community. Thanks, man. That's, that's really cool to hear. I mean, that's that's all we were trying to do, really, was just to yeah. keep the brand of the label, the integrity there um, without kind of causing too much uproar. You know, like I think that's always been there, though, with Unique Leader, like every, that, that seal of quality has always been there. But it was more for strictly for like the brutal death metal community in technical death metal community. And there was a little bit of backlash when Eric started signing deathcore bands, but his view on it was always you know deathcore is very much a necessary part of death metal and like he yeah. loved stuff like despised icon oh, um, yeah he he also used to say to him dying fetus is the epitome of deathcore yeah it it's, is. it's hardcore yeah. riffs with deathcore uh, sorry with death metal vocals yeah a lot of the drum patterns are very hardcore based like they sound like you know like an irate riff or whatever you know I think they would draw from each other and then yeah. internal bleeding. I mean, you speak to Chris, man, he's as into hardcore as he is death metal. So that early adoption of deathcore, I think it's changed now. Um, you know, much like metalcore has, because if, if you ask me what the epitome of metalcore is, I'd say hate breed. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, you yeah, ask yeah. someone who was 25, maybe like 10, 15 years younger than me, um, they probably have a completely different answer for you and it wouldn't be hate breed, you know, but to me, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it, it's, not. it's Slayer riffs with hardcore. Everything else about it is hardcore apart from the guitar riffs. So, you know, I think the whole thing just moves quickly and I think you either have to get up and move with the whole movement or you have to just stand fast and say, no, this is, this is what I listen to and I'm not going past 1997 or 2010 or whatever it is. But if you take that stance, you are missing out on a lot of great music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of bands rewriting the template and it's not in a mishmash way. It's in an innovative, uh, innovative way. Such a hard word to say that. Fun. <laughs> um, like Humanity's Last Breath, for example, you know, there's so many post-Mashugar metal bands that have emulated that template that they set. And I think they're the first ones to really bring something new and to add to it, not just to kind of copy it and give it their interpretation. It's like they've actually yeah. built on that sound. I'm yeah. not saying they're better than Meshuggah, by the way. I'm just saying <laughs> they're actually offering something new to the table. Uh, Brand of Sacrifice is another one. Yeah, big That's time, good. man. They're fucking yeah, yeah. bananas good, yeah. dude. I mean, what they're doing now for DIY bands at the moment is basically what Shadow of Intent were doing a year or two ago as well. Is like they're proving oh. that. You yeah. can you can make it work DIY. You can make it work, but you've got to hustle and you've got to be really innovative. Yeah, uh, you'll be smart, haven't you? And yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, fair play to them. I was fucking pleased to have worked with them for at least an EP and an album. And mm. you know, we we put them in touch with a few different sort of companies that have kind of helped them facilitate what they're doing. So we'd like to think you know we definitely helped them along the way to getting there. But kudos completely goes to them for where they're at now because the content they're creating, the ideas they're coming up with, that's all Leo and Kyle, man. Like they're fucking enigmas at their craft, really. Yeah, man, there's, um, there, there's, I think there's teasing something new, aren't they? There's big, there's going to be big things, I, I think, ahead for that, for that band. Um, so just on to, when you're, when you go out touring, man, because I saw your, your touring like schedule with the Black Dahlia Murder, it's quite a long tour, isn't it? How do you... That is a long one, yeah. Yeah. How do you, how are you balanced like touring and doing label stuff at the same time? Is it just a fucking nightmare? Have you ever been on tour? Nope. No. <laughs> right, so everyone's got this idea of tour being like the busiest thing ever and you get knackered and it's parties and it's shows and it's, it's fucking none of that, man. <laughs> you, you're just, you're travelling for most of the day and then when you're at the venue it's usually quite chilled for hours up until about half an hour before the doors oh, open okay, and then it starts getting busy. Um, you might have a bit of press to do or whatever and you play your show and, you know, sit at merch for a little bit, speak to some people, whatever, and then you go to bed. I mean, I'm, I'm boring as fuck on tour, mate. I literally <laughs> just get my sort of wireless dongle, plug it into my laptop, put my headphones on and I just work while we're travelling. I'll work while we're at the venue. I'll probably go out and do some sightseeing for a bit, sound check, play, smoke a fucking massive spliff, go to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's Literally, that's, that, it's going to be that for six weeks. So that's basically what I do at home, apart from the traveling all day bit. So I just work, <laughs> I work all day from here. Um, the only thing I'm going to miss is the gym, really. It's actually just going to be nice to have a new place to see every day. But what I'm going to be doing is exactly, exactly. what I always do, really. Yeah the beauty of technology nowadays isn't it it's very easy yeah, to work yeah. remotely yeah, yeah 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 you've obviously got so, that. you know we've got it's not just me running the label anyway we've got our team man so i can delegate stuff oh sick no that's good because i was like fucking hell he must be a busy man and then going out on tour as well like it's 
but but no, yeah, that's I'm definitely busy, man. But I have to be really. I'm a bit sort of ADD like that. If I'm not busy, I just sit on my ass and I get really, really annoyed that I could be doing yeah. something else with this time. So yeah. There is a balance, obviously, to strike, which I'm probably not striking at all. But uh, <laughs> we'll beginning a year or so, I suppose. <laughs> um, so, just a few things uh, we've covered quite a lot, mate. Of what um, we wanted to ask you, sort of how you got into to metal and all that kind of stuff. But are there any sort of genres outside of metal that you that you enjoy? Are you like are you into hip hop or or anything yeah, like that? I mean, I'm into everything really. Um, I mean, there's a few things that. I can't really listen to without getting an aneurysm like that's sort of <laughs> Alvin Alvin the chipmunk house stuff where they've got like the really high pitched oh mate yeah yeah <laughs> really fast house like I don't mind house but when it's that like was it is it called Gabba or something yeah it's almost like fucking the vocals are like oh, sped up aren't they to Saturday that, that is just like, hell I hear you man I can't stand <laughs> shit like that but um, they probably think that, you know, that's probably how most people think about death metal when they hear that. I just think it's just yeah. fucking noise. So, yeah, I'm into everything, mate. Um, you know, love a bit of hip hop. Uh, love love 80s stuff as well, man. Like anything from sort of Steve Winwood, uh, you know, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, you know, whatever it is, man. Like, that's what I grew up listening to if my dad had something on the record player, you know, Fleetwood Mac or oh, Bruce Springsteen or whatever. So yeah, I love yeah. that shit as well. But to be honest, I, I tend to just listen to Unique Leader stuff for most of the day when I'm at home, um, just because the amount of music we're putting out each year and the amount of stuff that I'm planning ahead as well. Obviously, you've got to proof a lot of tracks. We've got to listen to Test Masters. Yeah. Demos coming in, pre-production. Um, we get about 600 submissions a month from bands as well, as far as like demo submissions. So... I obviously don't listen to everything, but everything does get listened to by someone in the team. And then between everyone, there's like a funnel that comes to me. Um, so I end up listening to probably maybe a hundred a month or something. So all of that back to back doesn't leave a lot of room for, nah, man. <laughs> you know, listening to Pantera anymore or, <laughs> or whatever. So if I don't want to listen to metal, I'll just go back to the stuff that I listened to when I was a kid that I love, things like that. Like if you ask me what, like, what was important, what was big on the radio right now? I wouldn't fucking know. Wouldn't be able to tell you. Why is that happening? Do not disturb <laughs> doesn't work. My phone's literally on do not disturb and there's no one calling me. I've just turned it off. Sorry, mate. That's what I'm at. So it must be like a bit of a treat for you then when you can just fucking stick on a vulgar display of power or something and like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Have like an hour to like, oh yes, fucking love this yeah, record. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. There, there's, there's definitely a place to just to sort of switch off and go right and putting this on and whatever. But um, yeah, there aren't enough hours in the day just to stick a record on anymore, which is a shame. It, it, it's not making me resent metal just yet, but uh, I'm sure <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> um, so outside of outside of music, mate, what are your what are your interests? I think you're you're quite keen like martial artist and stuff, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I train uh, at a club called Godo Jiu-Jitsu, which is like uh, traditional Jiu-Jitsu, like Japanese instead of Brazilian. Oh, cool. Um, it's quite similar, but the main principles are quite different. Like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is ground focused, uh, taking your opponent to the ground and keeping them on the ground and then submissions and all that. So that was that whole principle was sort of taken from Judo and then adapted. So 
the throwing principles and the, the grapples and all that are, are the, you know similar but it's quite different but i've been doing that for a little while um about 10 years now something like that and then uh yeah just love love training in any way possible really love a bit of boxing uh, a little bit muay thai love going to the gym swimming walking my dog it's like two kilos of pure female aggression <laughs> um, i'll get her in here actually can meet her on georgie come here oh what breed is she she's a maltese like uh literally the fluffiest oh of, of course yeah i've seen on instagram yeah, yeah. i've yeah. seen your picture on it yeah that's she's a cute dog man i take her out and people literally laugh out loud <laughs> because <laughs> you you're out. this big geezer covered in tattoos and then you've got this <laughs> oh she's cute yeah. man oh my god that's adorable <laughs> oh yeah man she's cute yeah she's a fluffy little shit oh how long have you had her uh not actually that long yeah she's only one so um yeah not very long oh it's a baby yeah a little baby she's fully grown now though oh, literally mate. two and a half kilos mate sitting in the hand <laughs> amazing unreal but um yeah that's about it really i'm quite i'm quite boring to be honest i just uh i I keep fit and i do martial arts and uh see my son and see my missus play with my dog that's about it really mate there's not much time like you like you think you're boring don't you but there's not actually that much more time time in the day to fucking do anything else is there do you know (laughs) what i mean so only got time for a wank mate honestly (laughs) (laughs) luckily it doesn't take very long (laughs) i'm sorry we've taken up an hour of your vessel of your time the best wanking time (laughs) 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 um so last question mate before we uh before we get to the little round at the end um someone asks you what metal is what album are you going to give them Ooh, um, Vulgar Display of Power by Pantera. Yeah, that's a fucking solid show, yeah, man. Can't argue with that. It's got everything you want in it. Just in terms of like, if, you, if you're someone who's never heard metal, I don't think you can really give someone uh, Dying Fetus or Cannibal Corpse or whatever. Yeah. It's just going to be too much for them to take in. But I think Pantera have that yeah. bridge factor where if you just appreciate a good riff, yeah. a good chorus and a bit of a stomp. <laughs> They will just hit you straight away, won't they? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Mate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So where we like to end these, Jamie, is uh with a quick either or round. So okay. uh we'll ask you two things. You just gotta pick one or the other. Daz, you got these in front of you, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I've got them. Right, I'll go first and then you go next, yeah. So sure. all right, summer or winter. I'm answering first, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, summer, summer uh, all the way. Yeah, they're all for you, man. Yeah, summer or winter, yeah, summer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, summer. This one's a fucking rough one, man. All shall perish or despised icon. Despised icon. Sick. All the way. Oh, I thought that yeah. was going to be a healing, rough one. Healing process is fucking... It, that is deathcore for me. That's That was the template for everyone else later and it's never been yeah. beaten. No, I yeah. fully agree with that. Uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. Lethal weapon or diehard? Ooh. <laughs> Lethal weapon. Because I love a bit of Mel. Oh, yeah, God, I love Mel, a bit of Mel. Bit of Mel. Yeah, and Danny right. Glover's fucking great as well. That's like a two-pronged attack whilst... Ooh, Alan Rickman, though. <laughs> Alan Rickman. And the second Die Hard's got a really good baddie as well. The guy who does the, kung, the naked kung fu weird shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'd say as a franchise, Lethal Weapon's sort of the definitive buddy movie, isn't it? Yeah. For action yeah. movies. So we have to go for that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Slayer or Pantera? Pantera, mate. Pan fucking Pantera. Yeah. 
Um, Always Pantera. You could give me any any <laughs> band on the planet or Pantera, and the answer would be Pantera. <laughs> Last one then is uh, Chinese food or Indian. Oh, my missus would fucking kill me, but I'm going to say Chinese. Nice. I'm yeah, yeah. Always Chinese. Yeah, Chinese like, is the answer, man. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, Jamie, thanks for your time this evening, man. We know we know how fucking busy you are, B. So, like, properly appreciate you uh, taking a bit of time out of your out your fucking busy schedule to, no to problem, cool. thanks a lot talk for some shit me, with us, man. No, it's cool. And uh, all good. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, just a quick thank you for releasing that cognitive album as well, man. But I fucking have not <laughs> stopped rinsing that record since it came out. Like, and uh, <laughs> I'll send you guys a few other uh, advanced promo links as well i'll get your email addresses and i'll send you some oh bits. sick yeah oh, i think sick, we've got uh, lisa sent us over a lot of your stuff um oh, which is okay i'm not sending you anything then <laughs> <laughs> but no please do coming. yeah please do um yeah so jamie thanks for thanks for joining us this evening man if you haven't um checked out unique leaders roster please go and do that and also go and pick up a copy of Ascidian by Viscera as well. Absolutely fucking sick album. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of days' time with our end-of-the-month roundup, which does include a unique leader record. So uh, until then, thanks for joining us and uh, peace out. Thank you very much. Take care, lads.